kids come home with their report card and they have, you know, one A, five Bs and a C. And the parents instantly say, what right? happened? Why, why the C? C? Yep. Why the C? And so, right, you get a C in math. Great. We're going to get you a math tutor. We're going to put extra help into the math. But really what we should be doing is say, hey, you got an A in social studies. Let's put some more effort into that because you are naturally good at that. Let's put more effort into it. Because if you put more effort into the things that you're already naturally good at, you're going to be wildly successful in them. And as an adult, I feel like we do less and less and less of that, right? We're constantly trying to fix the things that we don't do well. What's up, everybody? This is Paul Critchley, president of New England Lean Consulting. Welcome to another episode of the New England Lean Podcast. So thank you to everybody who reached out to me over the last uh, week to tell me what you thought about our brand new website, newenglandlean.com. Uh, if you had, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I announced obviously that we have a brand new website. Uh, lots of really cool stuff on there that we never really had with the old website. Um, so I am really pretty super proud about it. I am biased, of course, because I worked pretty hard on it. Um, but if you haven't gotten a chance, please go check it out um, and let me know what you think. I mean, like I said, I'm biased, but uh, there's lots of cool stuff on there. Uh, for instance, we have a in the news page that highlights all the places that we have articles like uh, Industry Week and Quality Magazine, um, even our, you know, some of the regional newspapers and stuff that we've had, you know, different uh, charity events that we've helped, you know, put together and lead and that kind of stuff. Um, and there's a pretty cool tool on there. You can actually filter it out by articles or podcasts that we've appeared on. Um, so it's pretty, it, I think it's pretty cool. So if you get a chance, uh, please go check it out. Now, uh, I can't take credit for how the new website you know, looks and feels. Uh, that is firmly with my buddy, Barry Costa. Now, he is the brains behind the whole thing. Uh, you know, my team and I helped write the content, but Barry's really the guy that made it look and function the way it does. So um, for those who did, I had a couple people who asked, but uh, you can check him out at barrycosta.com. That's B-A-R-R-Y-C-O-S-T-A.com. Um, highly recommend them. I got to tell you, I've worked with a few folks before. Uh, it, they all pale in comparison to working with Barry. He's super smart, amazingly creative. Uh, some of the ideas he had are, are things I never, ever in a million years would have come up with. And they're, they're so cool and they're so slick. Um, so I, I, I honestly, I can't say enough about them. I highly recommend them. So if you are looking for help with your website or uh, a new logo or any print stuff that you need, you're doing flyers or pamphlets or whatever, I, I you gotta you gotta check them out. And again, it's barrycosta.com. Now, speaking of uh, having people in the roles that they are the best at, that brings us to our guest this week, Colleen Del Vecchio. Now, Colleen's uh, local-ish. She lives up in Massachusetts. Uh, she has a BA in psychology and a master's in organizational management and philanthropy. Um, and she's also a certified Gallup Clifton Strengths coach. And I'm ashamed to admit that I really hadn't heard of that before. Um, but you'll certainly probably have heard of Myers-Briggs or maybe the DISC 
profile, predictive index. Uh, the Gallup-Clifton strengths kind of goes right along with that, but I got to tell you, having talked with Colleen and checked it out after the uh, episode, after we recorded it, it, it blows those other two things way out of the water. Um, but listen to this episode. I mean, Colleen talks, us, uh, talks to us about it and explains kind of what it is and what it does. Uh, so I don't want to steal any of her of her thunder, but the way she puts it, and I I love this. Uh, she says that everybody can be wildly successful if we focused on being pointy instead of being well rounded, and I think that's very powerful because to me that's straight up lean, uh, respect for people, which I think lean is really all about. I I like to say that lean is about putting people in the places where they can do their best work, which means not looking for tools or looking for information or going to work and being frustrated, you know, all the things that we've talked about on previous episodes. Um, it, it, you know, Colleen comes at it from a little bit different perspective. You know, she's not an engineer. She's not even in manufacturing, although she works with those folks. You know, now she's been out on her own as a consultant for a while, and this is what she does. She coaches organizations uh, individuals, she keynote speaks about just this. Um, and it's really interesting because, you know, overwhelmingly, just like you heard in the snippet in the front, you know, we have this focus of we always have to be well-rounded. We always have to try to do everything really well. And Colleen's saying, no, nah, no, nah, you don't have to do that. You know, if you're really good at one thing, two things, focus on those, build those up. And, you know, who knows where you can go from there. So uh, give it a listen as always, I hope you like it. I hope you get something from it. Thank you all very much. I appreciate you. We'll talk to you real soon. All right, welcome to the New England Lean Podcast. As I mentioned in the intro, our, ho our host, you can tell it's early. Our guest this week is Colleen Del Vecchio. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you doing today? Good. Well, I was doing all right. I guess the coffee hasn't quite kicked in yet. <laughs> I hear it you. happens. <laughs> so we were chatting before we hopped on. Uh, you're a, you're a local to us. You're Springfield, Mass. Um, East Hampton, little north of Springfield. Oh, okay, nice, so, excellent. Little so, tiny yeah. town. <laughs> yep, yep. But a little. Uh, so technically, well, as we record this, spring is technically I think starts tomorrow, but it certainly doesn't feel like that today. Not at all. It is cold outside there today. Yeah. <laughs> We got spoiled uh, right a week or so ago, 70 degrees and shorts and t-shirt and the whole thing. And now it's, you know, my pellet stove looked like a blast furnace this morning. Absolutely. Absolutely. My dog wouldn't even go out today. Oh, well, smart dog. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have either. They're like, nope, I'll just, I'll just nope. hold it. Yep. <laughs> So, colleague, <laughs> listeners to this particular podcast are, are, are mainly in the lean and, say, business leadership kind of space. So uh, they may not know you and they may not know what you do. So if you could just hum a few bars, kind of who you are, what you do, how you got to where you got to, uh, just sure. so you, everyone can, can get to know you a little bit, that'd be great. Absolutely. Um, so my background has been in um, a lot of work in higher ed, a lot of work in nonprofits. Uh, and about two years ago, I went off on my own. And so now I do Gallup Strengths Finder um, coaching. So I do a lot of teams work with um, executive level teams. And I do executive level and career coaching, kind of helping people find the right job for them. Nice. Yeah. So you went on on your own a couple of years ago, you said? Yeah, yeah, just about two now. Nice. So how, so talk to me a little bit because, you know, a lot of folks we have on this show 
are, like I said, in lean leadership, you know, we have a lot of authors and professors and, but I, I like to try to mix it up a little bit too, just to, you know, cause you get at the end of the day, I believe, you know, with lean of a friend of mine says, you know, we're not in the lean business, we're in the people business. And that's very much, I think, where you live. So can you talk to us a little bit about how maybe what you do for a living influenced you to maybe go out on your own? Sure. Um, you know, for years I had worked with teams, but you know, I was the manager of teams. I was the director of teams. I had people reporting to me um, and I had fallen in love with the Gallup Finder assessment for my team. Um, for those who aren't familiar with it, it's based in positive psychology, right? It's really kind of this idea that everybody has something to contribute and you just have to figure out right, the right seat to put people in, to make sure that they can be wildly successful. And that you really kind of play to people's strengths, right? You help them find a job that really kind of excites them and that they have the strengths to do that work. So when I was doing this, I found that within the organizations I worked at, more and more teams would call me and say, hey, can you come do a workshop for my team? Can you come do a workshop for my team, right? Can you figure out how we can get my team to work together better like your team does? Um, particularly because I had a team of really diverse people from diverse backgrounds who, if you looked at them, it wasn't like we all were the same and kind of fit together easily. And so that started to grow. And then I would do presentations at conferences and kind of over time, right, other businesses would start to call me. So I had had my business as a side gig for, I don't know, almost 20 years now. But, you know, people, I would do it, you know, as the kind of second job. And then over time, the second job started to be, you know, 15, 20 hours a week. And I had the option to leave a position that I was in because of some organizational change. And I was like, this is the moment, right? This is the moment to kind of jump ship and see if I can go do this on my own. Nice. Um, so it was exciting. So you took Terrifying, the plunge. Yeah. But exciting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, same. Uh, you know, when I opened this uh, New England Lean Consulting, uh, same thing. We had uh, two kids on, you know, one was golly. They're both under the age of 10. And so, yeah, that was a, a little bit of a leap of faith. But looking yeah. back, probably one of the best things I've ever done professionally. 100%. Yep. Yeah. So I was going to ask, so you kind of alluded to my next question. I'm not familiar with the Gallup, what you've referenced. Can you hum yeah. a few bars about what that is? Sure. Um, so it's, uh, it had been called the Strengths Finder Assessment forever. They renamed it the Clifton Strengths Assessment um, after the man who invented it, Clifton. Uh, and so Gallup is, you know, that, com that company that does all of the data analysis, all of the polls out there. But they started with this assessment about, gosh, 30 or so years ago and started to realize that it was this idea that what happened if we started looking at what was right with people instead of what was wrong with them, right? What if we started looking at people and their strengths instead of trying to always fix their weaknesses? And they started doing study after study. And the interesting thing that came out was people were way more productive in their jobs when they did things that they had these na your natural talents towards, right? And so, and way more productive. Gallup um, quotes it at 13.9% more productive. Mm. Um, I was just watching Marcus Leonis, his show, The Prophet, oh, sure. which I adore, right? And he actually quotes it at 31%. He said that like current statistics are if you put people in the right jobs, they are 31% more productive for you as a business owner. But the thing that really got me is that 
Gallup found time after time, people were three times happier in all aspects of their life when they did jobs that fit with their strengths. And that really sold me because I'm a huge proponent of, right, if you, your home life and your work life kind of have to meld together in some way, right? Our jobs really, you know, we can't turn our emotions off the minute we leave work. So the Gallup piece really spoke to me. The other thing that I really liked about it, as opposed to some of the other kind of like emotional intelligence kind of assessments that are out there that a lot of people know, is that there are 34 strengths. So the chance of you and somebody else having the same 34 in the same order is 33 million. Yeah. One in 33 million, right? So it really truly is individualized to you when you get your report. So it's a very different, um, it's a very different feel. It feels more like it really speaks to you as opposed to, well, this is kind of me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I'm ashamed to admit, I, I hadn't heard of this before. Now, obviously many people haven't, <laughs> you know, like Myers-Briggs, that's, I think, yep. longstanding been kind of the baseline, if you wouldn't even want to call it that. Um, there's another yep. one I've done called the predictive index, right? Yep. So it's high yep. D, high S, and I, there's a couple yep, that's other disc. ones. Disc, yep. yes. Disc. The, yes. Yep. Thank you. The disc profile. Yep. yep. So yeah. I, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I loved those for years, right? That's what I had always used in a lot of my work. But I started to realize, right, DISC has four possible personality types. Uh, Myers-Briggs has 16. And, right, if you're an ENFJ and I'm an ENFJ on Myers-Briggs, we have the same description, right? It's it's the same thing. With Gallup, um, so why top strength is one called maximizer. It's the strength that you want to take things that are good and make them better. And so if you have maximizer and I have maximizer, our descriptions are still going to be different, Mm. right? My maximizer talks about how I like to maximize people, how I like to take people and help them grow and move into better and better things. Your maximizer might be about maximizing your podcast, right? Or maximizing something else. It might be maximizing things where mine is maximizing people. So it's really interesting to me of how it can really pinpoint folks in that way. And it's, I'll tell you, it speaks to the engineer in me because that you're one of the things I've always kind of, it's always in the back of my mind and I'm not anywhere close to being a psychologist or, you know, uh, but having spent a large portion of my 20 some odd year career in management, I same, you know, I can, I can empathize with a lot of what you're saying as a leader manager of people there was any number of issues that I, that I had to deal with. And a lot of it came back to had nothing to do with work. They had had a bad night the previous night at home, something had happened or, or you, you name it. Uh, right. Their dog died. Uh, they were, you know, the, they were having trouble paying the mortgage and that was way, you know, it was like a bazillion other things. And when, and you're, I think you're spot on. Um, I'm, I hate, the, the phrase work-life balance. Cause to me, it's just life. We're just, it's just life. That's it works part of it, but so is everything else and how that all fits together. And you're right. I, I always hated, you know, I had a manager once that said, well, you need to leave your emotions at the door. It's like, well, how in the heck am I supposed to do that? Like I'm still the same guy. If I'm inside this, it's like, this doesn't even make sense to me, to my scientific brain. I mean, I right. get right. I get where he was going with it, but it's like this doesn't compute. So, anyways, uh, I've always hated about Disc and Myers Briggs, 
is there weren't enough categories. It's like when I did those things and I read the description, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much me. But you know what? It's like, I can read my horoscope and do the same thing. It's like, I could see myself in there. So when you're talking about, was it 34? 34, yeah. That to me, it's like, okay, that feels more likely to me. So can you maybe hum a few bars? Cause again, I don't, I hadn't heard of this thing and I haven't ever heard anybody talk about it before. So I'm really interested to learn more. Can you talk a little bit about what the 34 are and, and kind of how it all lays out. And once you get your results, what you can do with them. Sure. Um, I could talk about this for days. I thought you might be able to. (laughs) So, right. So the 34 end up getting broken into kind of four categories. So there are strengths that are executing strengths, right? These are the strengths that help you get stuff done, right? They're the strengths, um, they're the workhorses. We kind of joke of like the strengths community, you know, there are strengths that are influencing. So strengths where you um, have the ability to kind of influence others, right? You make sure the team is heard. Um, One of my favorite influencing strengths is called woo, winning others over, right? People with woo are the people who are like, yes, I get to go to the conference next week with 5,000 people, right? Like they just want to be around all of the people all of the time, you know, but then there's relationship building strengths. So, right. These are strengths like um, positivity, right? Folks who see the glass as half full all the time and make sure that they build their relationships and kind of bring people in because of their positivity. And then there are strengths that are strategic thinking strengths. And so those are the ones Um, You know, I see a lot of engineers into some of these categories, right? These are some of the analytical thinking strengths. Um, There's one called input where, right, you like to kind of gather lots of information and then give people the information that they need. So there's this kind of whole kind of groupings of them. Um, And when it comes down to it, right, people get their results. You can get your top five for, I think it's $19 these days, or you can get all 34 for $50. Um, you don't do the test again, it's literally hit a button. But really what I work with people on is figuring out, let's look at your top five strengths. Let's look at the strengths that are you most of the time and figure out a way for you to put more effort into them. Because what most people do is they look at where their weaknesses are, right? I think of this as, right, you think of a kid, right? You have kids, I have kids. Kids come home with their report card and they have you know one A, five Bs and a C. And the parents instantly say, what right, happened? Why, why the C? C? Yep. Why the C? And so, right, you get a C in math. Great. We're going to get you a math tutor. We're going to put extra help into the math. But really what we should be doing is say, hey, you got an A in social studies. Let's put some more effort into that because you are naturally good at that. Let's put more effort into it. Because if you put more effort into the things that you're already naturally good at, you're going to be wildly successful in them. And as an adult, I feel like we do less and less and less of that, right? We're constantly trying to fix the things that we don't do well. Um, You know, one of the examples I always give is I have an uncle who was late for everything his whole life, right? Always late, right? He was late for every dinner, every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, right? We used to tell him dinner was at three, even though dinner was going to be at five, just hoping he might get there in time. He has never changed his lateness in his entire life, right? The man is... 80-ish now, and he is probably still late for everything. I guarantee at some point his boss sent him to a time management training, right? They're like, here's all these tools to help you. He was always going to be late. Mm -hmm. So instead, let's figure out, right? He was also a wildly successful advertising executive, wildly successful. So 
thinking about the things that people do well, put your effort there. And as a boss or as a leader, figure out how do you get a well-rounded team, right? Keep everybody with their strengths, but make sure your team is well-rounded and balance it out that way. Don't expect everybody to be good at everything because mm. you're probably going to be good at nothing, right? At that point. Yeah. And that's very valid. And it is interesting because I think you're right. I think a lot of folks don't think that way. It's, you know, like you look at New Year's resolutions and I'll, um, I reference Gallup survey stuff all the time. And I want to circle back to that, but, um, you know, New Year's resolutions, it's like this, you know, rebirth or re reset and all this other stuff. And I am never one to say, right. Because I think I forget the statistic, but it was like, I think it's like Valentine's day or something by that time, 80% have failed and people like kind of give up. And usually it comes back to the fact that it was just too big. It's like, I'm going to quit smoking or I'm going to lose 15 pounds or I'm going to run a marathon or right. It's some big giant B hag and it's just too much. And people get right? Overwhelmed. And they, you know, so you got to kind of think in smaller steps. And that's why I love what you just said about, you know, forget about what you don't do well. Cause I feel like the resolutions are all about, let's focus on the negative stuff and fix it. But it's to your point, let's, let's look at what we're really good at, what our passions are about and, and fertilize those because right. Quite frankly, those are probably, you know, I mean, you look at the most successful all right, let's pick on Tom Brady for a second, right? So heartbroken that he's not here, but I'm really, I think it's awesome that he went to Tampa Bay and won yet another Super Bowl. I mean, hit, seeing him hit Gronk yep. in the end zone twice was like heartwarming, you know? So to Absolutely. see him, right? So the whole TB12 thing, you know, he obviously takes very good care of him, but there's there's talent there too, right? So I think it's a it's that balance that, you know, and I don't know if it's, you know, just natural born talent or whatever. But you look at professional athletes as an example, right? If you took any of those guys and tried to make them an engineer or an accountant or whatever, it's like, are they going to be as great at that as they are at doing the other thing that they do? Probably not. Right. And you could, right. you know, cause I think there's a part of that cause there's gotta be some intrinsic drive. Like I'm an engineer, not just because, you know, I am, but because I am, that's how I'm wired. I mean, I was the kid at six, seven years old that took my mother's can opener apart. We had one of those old school, like seventies ones. It was half the size of a shoebox and weighed about 10 pounds. Yeah. Uh, we had go back together, too. by the way. Oops. But, but, but that's, you know, so that's why it's like, I've been lucky to be able to pursue that as my career path. Um, yeah. So talk to, can you give us any examples? And I love this. I, I, yeah. I could have you on here for hours, which I won't do for you, but I, this <laughs> is like so interesting because in lean terms, and then I'll zip it so the guests can actually talk. Um, in lean terms, we talk about respect for people. And this is right down the middle of that. It's, it's giving you, everybody, the opportunity to do what you do best because that's what you love to do. And that shows respect. So, right. It gives you that opportunity um, because to do anything else, it's, you know, you start to, I think, venture into that gray area of, eh, can I do it? Yeah, of course. But it's not really what drives me. Right. Right. 
it's interesting you bring up the sports thing. So my senior year of college, I took a sports psychology class and totally fell in love with kind of the idea of sports psychology. Um, the professor that I worked with worked with the Bruins, the Celtics, the Red Sox, all on athletes who had career ending injuries. Mm-hmm. So, right. You can't play anymore. We're going to work with you. And that's where I actually found my love of career coaching because I got to work with him with the Bruins. And we were going in and talking to these 20 year old guys who didn't have high school diplomas at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, like figuring out what are they going to do next? And I remember thinking, God, like I felt so bad for these guys, right? You, you thought your whole life you were going to be a hockey player and now you blow out your knee at age 20 and there's no chance, right? And you don't have a high school diploma. So I don't know what you're doing. Um, but kind of fast forward, last week I was actually talking with a former pro athlete and we were talking about Tom Brady when we were talking about StrengthsFinder, exactly that. And we started down the conversation because this guy's a former NFL pro athlete. And he said, you know, we all look at Tom Brady and we're like, how the heck does he do that, right? In his forties and he is still playing. He's like, I'm 32 and three years in the NFL and I was spent. And we started talking about it. And he said the same thing. He's like, it's, it's that determination. It's the drive. And it's also the willingness to be coached, right? It's the willingness to change kind of what you're doing because you know you can get better at it, right? I guarantee if I did Tom Brady's strengths, he would have things like competition as one of his top strengths, right? If you listen to him talk, he is just like, I am in it for the game, right? Mm -hmm. He loves to win, Um, right? So competition might be his strength. Now, I have a daughter who has competition and Tom Brady's competition and my kid's competition are vastly different right? Tom Brady definitely wants to win. My daughter's competition is with herself, right? She constantly wants to do better than she did on the last test. She's constantly benchmarking herself against herself. And so your competition, even though it's the same word in StrengthsFinder, right? It can kind of show up in very different ways. I also would guarantee Tom Brady has some sort of strategic and analytical side to him, right? If you listen to the stories of him spending hours studying film. He probably has focus as one of his strengths. Like I think of, you know, there was some, um, the movie that he did. Oh, I can't remember the series. Oh, Tom against time. Oh yeah. That series. Mm -hmm. Right. And it showed him, he would say like on his day off, he literally would spend like 12 hours that day watching films for the next game. Right. The ability to focus and analyze. Right. Yeah. He's a great football player. probably would do really well in many other fields where he has to like focus and analyze. Like he's probably going to be, a, he'd be a great data analyst if he actually had to go get a job after doing all this, but pretty sure he's not going to ever have to work a day in his life. Prob- if he doesn't want to. I think he's probably financially probably fine. Yeah, my guess too. But I also guess that with high cut, with his strengths, he would be bored to tears. I mean, can you picture Tom Brady sitting home on like, you know, a whole year with being like, let me just read a book very calmly. I right? nope. No, he doesn't yep. strike me as the, as the type for sure. Right. Right. Cause my guess is right. His competition is going to implore him to go do something where he has to be in competition with something. Right. right. Even if it's himself. And the interesting thing is, so I'll, I'll hum a few bars in engineering um, general, I'm not, you know, broad brush, but um, it's interesting because, you know, like Tom has the TB 12 method. I've read the book. Yep. I was interesting, but I, so let's say for, I'm 45. So I'm a, maybe a year and a half older, two years older than he is. <clears throat> uh, never been a football player, but I can't just do the TB12 method. I can't just do exactly what he does and turn myself into him. Right. And I feel like 
sometimes, and I'll speak from engineering, I've seen engineers who try to do something like that. And they're like, well, this person does this. So I'm just going to do that. And then I'll be like them. And it's like, nah, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You're forgetting the right. relationship, the culture, what dry, your intrinsic values. I've had these types of discussions with uh, direct reports of mine before. And sometimes it's hard because, you know, we're as a, as a uh, group, uh, we're very analytical. So, you know, and I even fall victim to this where it's, okay, well, let's see if A, then B, okay, check, got it. And it doesn't always work that way, especially when you're dealing with humans. Absolutely. You know, when I do StrengthsFinder trainings, one of the first slides I put up is something that says something along lines of like, I'm sorry to tell you, you can't be anything, right? Like we say this to little kids all the time, like, oh, you can be anything, right? Anything you want to be, it's open to you. Right. I'm sorry. It's BS. Right. Like we're set, setting people up to think they can do anything. And that's just not true. Right. Um, I, I use gymnastics as the thing all the time. Right. I am 50 and I have yet to do a cartwheel. I spent every summer as a child trying to do a cartwheel. My body just does not go hand, hand, foot, foot. Doesn't work. Yeah. I have a 17 year old daughter. She can't do a cartwheel either. You know what? Her body doesn't go hand, hand, foot, foot some sort of genetic mutation in our bodies does not allow us to do cartwheels. But if she had, you know, at six, when she was taking gymnastics, if she had decided she was going to do gymnastics every single day for all of her childhood, she still was not going to be an Olympian, mm. right? She just, there's just something about us where her skills are totally other places, right? Mm. This is a really resilient kid. This is a really strong kid who has lots of great talents and abilities. Gymnastics is not one of them. She's not going to be a gymnast. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that's where I think it is important to go back to what you started out this conversation with is recognizing what we are good at and feeding, fertilizing those things. So hum a few bars a little bit about that, if you could. Um, you know, I don't know if you have specific yeah. stories or you can kind of water sure. it down if you can't share, you know, company names and stuff. But I'm really interested to hear if you have a story about if you ever worked with somebody who had like that aha moment, like, Oh, I never even thought of that, you know, took a, you know, maybe the road less traveled. And then what happened after that? Yeah. One of my favorites is um, a, a friend of mine who has a strength that's called activator and activators of the world. I picture them as the rah-rah guy who comes out like before a concert or a woman, right? Like who gets on stage before the main act and gets everybody really excited, right? Mm -hmm. The radio station guy who gets everyone really excited. That's what I always picture activated. They are activators as they're really good at getting everybody excited and getting things started. They are terrible at buttoning things up at the end, right? That is not their strength. They are not the see it through to the end person. They are the, I'm super excited. Let me get started, right? I see a lot of activators who have 19 projects going on in their house, right? They have two bathrooms that are half finished and a kitchen with some cabinets off it because they're so excited to get started. They just never get to the end. And this person had been let go from two jobs in her adulthood, right, for this issue that she had. She was really struggling. Um, and when we did her strengths assessment and she got activators, number one, and we started talking about this as a strength, right, her ability to come in and get people really excited and motivated and really getting to bring a team along, she actually started to cry mm -hmm. because all of her life she was told, right, this is something that was wrong with her right? This is a deficit. You, right. You don't finish this out. And therefore we're firing you. You're not good at this. Now 
she works for one of the top consulting companies in America, right? Making money hand over fist and loving every minute of what she does. Because now her job is to go into companies and get the teams really excited about getting started and doing things and putting the plan in place. And she herself doesn't have to execute everything end to end, nice. right? So it was, that's kind of one of the biggest ones that have kind of really affected me of somebody who was totally in the wrong job and literally getting fired from positions. And then as soon as she kind of changed her mindset and started seeing this as a strength, right? It all mm -hmm. of a sudden puts her in the right place. Wow. That is powerful. I mean, to have, cause you're right to be told your whole life, this is an issue, this, right. And there is a lot of pressure. I see it with our oldest daughter, who's uh, 15, um, soon to be 16, that there's this pressure to be air quotes, well-rounded. Um, yes. You know, makes and me it's crazy. Like, yeah, me too. I mean, and, and she's got it in her head that she wants to be valedictorian of her class. And I'm like, <laughs> her name's Emma. I'm like, Emma, uh, you know, I, I know what it takes to do that. And, I, you know, it's not that I don't think you, I, it's not that I don't think you can't, because I, I know you can. And I know you would drive yourself that hard. But you can't, I don't think reliably, you can do that. And all the other things like she loves her. I don't know if dance is a strength. But if it was, it's it, she loves it. When she's dancing is when she is happiest. As her dad, I can see it in her. You know, when she's up on stage, she loves it. Every second of it. The whole, you know, she loves the organization of her dance bag and the preparation and the, you know, and when she nails her dance, it's, you can, she's glowing. I don't see that with her on the, you know, doing the schoolwork stuff. I mean, she's a great student. But anyway, so the conversation went, I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, same as you. And I did, I wish I had known all the stuff you just told me back when we had this conversation, because it would have helped. But it's just that it's like, you know, what brings you joy? What drives you? And, you know, it's not that you have to, you know, fix yourself on all this other stuff. Because, you know, time doesn't, yeah, you, you can't, you just can't, you know, like, you generally speaking, right? I remember our valedictorian, that's all he did. He did school. You know, right. and you know, I, she, I'm like, I don't think you can, I don't think you can get there from here. So you'd have to make some tough choices. You'd have to give up dance probably. And that's something that you love the most. So is it worth it to you? Do you really want to do that? And I think she's coming to the answer of no, it's not worth it. I hope, you know, but again, she's old enough now. She can kind of feel her own way. I'm, I'm just, I gently guide, you know, along the way. Um, so I do love Gallup actually has a version of the assessment for kids. So, and they can do it. And there's one for teenagers. Um, I get it. As soon as we the, hang up, I'm going to go get it. <laughs> Greatest thing I made my kids do. Cause we had the same conversation. I have one kid who is just so, so, so driven, right? She's a junior in high school and her freshman year, she took Latin. Now this is a kid who also is fluent in Mandarin Chinese. So she went to a Chinese school for K through eighth grade. So we get to high school and she doesn't have to take a language because she's already fluent in one. She chooses Latin. I'm like, really? <laughs> the hardest one. Right. Like, right. Let's just go with Latin. Sure. So she takes the class. She doesn't like the teacher at all. 
she missed a bunch of school because of a medical issue. So she, now she's really behind because Latin is not the type of thing you can just read the textbook and catch up on, right? right? She still does fine in the class, gets like a B plus or an A minus or something, but hates it, hates every minute of it. Sophomore year, takes Latin again. I'm like, why? So then it comes time to register for junior year. And I'm like, absolutely not. You are not taking Latin. Like you hate it. Why would you keep doing this? Like, what are the classes that you love? Take more like that. Now hmm. they're lucky they go to a high school that has a lot of electives. Hmm. And so I'm like, take the things you love. Don't take the things you dislike. And she's like, well, to get into a you know top-notch college, you need four years of this and four years of that. And I'm like, again, nobody cares where you went to college. Really, truly. I know you think you do. I'm like, but you really don't. I'm like, really, truly register for things you love. So now her senior year, she just registered. Granted, she's taking all AP and college classes, but she's at least taking them in environmental sustainability, government. She didn't even register for AP calculus, which made me so happy because a year ago, she would have automatically done that thinking Mm -hmm. it's what everybody wants her to do. So instead, she's like, I think I'll take statistics because I feel like politicians need to know more about statistics. And I think I want to go into politics. I'm like, (laughs) hallelujah. Right. Like, right. But it takes it takes them really hearing right over and over again. You know, you don't as particularly as you get older. Now you, there are some things you have to do to graduate high school and some colleges, right. You're going to have to take a class you don't like, but stop being well-rounded. Nobody cares, right. Get a team together, hire your weaknesses. I always say, right. I'm exactly you know, hire the people to do that work for you when you can. Right. And that's, and it's just, it's interesting, Colleen, because even I can think back, I had the same problem in high school. And it's, and it, you're right, we do. We tend to tell, okay, you be anything, you know, set your sights high. And I think uh, subconsciously, I don't know if that's the right adjective, but I think we are setting everybody up to, to try to be everything for everybody and, you know, and, and do all these great things. I mean, like you said, if I had my way, I'd be playing right field for the Sox right now, but I'm not, I just know, you know, I've learned that in seventh grade. I, you know, I played J, you know, baseball. I hit 100 as my batting average. And I'm like, (laughs) time to uh, course correct and do something else. Right. But I just think back to what if I hadn't made that decision? Cause I can remember the day I'm like, yeah, this isn't working out. But what if I kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing? What else would I not have done that I'm actually, you know, better at? Like, would I, would I be an engineer? What would I be, you know, right now? Right. Um, or to your point, what if I pushed really, really hard and I, I was able to overcome my natural inabilities and then I get hurt? Like, right. you know, you're talking about the Bruins. Uh, then what? Now, now what the heck am I going to do? Like I was, I never, right. you know, so it is interesting, you know, cause I think, um, you know, listening as you describe this, I'm thinking about it from a company perspective too. So when you work with clients today, do you work with the, you know, I'll say the company, the organization to help them understand how to get, you know, the best out of the people that they already have, hire the right people, what to look for, because, you know, you and I can get on Indeed right now, look at some job description and it, it's like, must do these, all these things, right? Any continuous improvement uh, job that I've seen lately, uh, you have to be a six week black belt they don't even know what this is. They have no idea. They just think, well, black belt's the best and I want the best. So give me that. And it's like, yeah, but you also said you wanted, you know, three to five years of experience because you don't want to pay. And I'm like, that's, you know, 
if you're a certified six week black belt, odds are you, you're not three years out of school. I mean, there are some, but you know what I mean? It's like, so how do you do that with, with companies? How do you help them understand yeah. how to work with their people? It's my favorite thing to do. So one of the companies I worked with, right, they were, I don't know, probably a couple, maybe two or 3,000 employees, like not super huge, but not teeny tiny. So we started with their executive team. And part of it was one of their VPs met me at a conference, saw me present on this, brought me in, and we started with that executive team. So we got everybody on the executive team to know their strengths, understand their strengths, and understand the whole concept of it, right? And then we started to kind of trickle down. And right when the pandemic hit, we had we were working on their IT staff. So I've been working with kind of that group. And now we kind of put it on hold because they decided they really wanted to do this in person. And they were also worried, my guess is about money during the pandemic. Um, and it's been so interesting because one of the staff I've continued to coach one-on-one. And she called and said, listen, you know, I'm working with another staff person. We're really struggling. She's not doing you know, she's really making all of us crazy, right? Was kind of what was coming back to me. And so, right, so now all the executives know their strengths. The leadership team of this department, all the people in the department know their strengths, but it wasn't kind of, this one person just wasn't working. And the staff, the leader of the team kept saying, she's been working here for 15 years, right? I know her, she knows the job, what are we doing wrong? And we started to talk and she has a strength called restorative. And restorative is one that I find in a lot of engineers. Um, I actually did a presentation for engineers last week and of the 31 people in the group, 20 had restorative. Like that never happens that you get that many people. And restorative is the strength where you're really good at finding the one thing that's wrong and then fixing it, right? So kind of restoring it to make it right. So this woman had restorative. And what was making everybody crazy is she was the person who was pointing out every loophole. Every single time they you know, presented something, she was like, here's the thing wrong. Here's the thing wrong. Here's the thing wrong. So we started talking. I was like, sometimes you, your strengths are immature. Or you know, sometimes we talk about as being you're in the balcony or you're in the basement with your strengths. And she got to the point where her strength was taking her to that negative place. Mm-hmm. Right? She was like, let me just be the ER of the group and tell you the hundred reasons why this can't be. So we started to talk and I said, okay, let's bring her in. And the, the three of us had a great conversation about how can you make sure that when you point something out that's wrong, that you can also show the solution because your strengths tell me, you know, the solution, right? You point out something wrong because you can restore it and bring it back. And that it was just that flip of the switch in her mind that she didn't need to point it out. So everybody just knew that there was a problem. She should point it out and say how she's going to fix it. And it just kind of changed the feel of the team really quickly, right? She said within like a week of having this conversation, all of a sudden things started to kind of flow into place better. Wow. Um, Other big corporations use this. Um, Southwest has been a big proponent of strengths for years. And it's one of those things that you, when you think of Southwest, right? I don't care if you like to fly them or you don't like to fly them. I personally am a huge fan of Southwest because I love getting on the plane with my two kids and getting everyone to pick their own seats. But Southwest employees are generally happier than any other airline employees, right? Mm-hmm. Go to kind of any air terminal and the Southwest people just genuinely look happier. Now, of course, there's going to be an exception here or there, but generally they are. And one of the big things at Southwest is, here's the goal. I don't care how you get there. You as an employee figure out how to get there. Um, and it comes down to even things like, you know, when you get on the plane and you hear the flight attendants go over the safety information, 
right? If you've ever been on Southwest, you get those flight attendants who come on and they're like cracking jokes and they're being really funny where other airlines will not allow that, right? They are mm-hmm. super straightforward and like, this is exactly how we do it. Southwest, they're given free reign, make people happy on the flight, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. From all of the little things that they do to just kind of help people out, yeah. um, right? And that's kind of that strengths approach. It's that idea of you have to make sure everyone understands the safety information. So maybe you crack a joke because you're a funny person and you want to crack a joke that kind of gets everyone to laugh and stop. And now they actually listen to the safety information because they're waiting to see what else you're going to say, right? Or you're the person who, yeah, the rule is, you know, everyone has to have a drink ticket, but you see someone like me who's a nervous flyer. More than once on Southwest, I've had a flight attendant walk by and just hand me a bottle of liquor, right? (laughs) Who's like here, like we see the look on your face as you're like white knuckling it during takeoff. Mm-hmm. We're going to help you out here, lady. So, nice. Nice. right. Um, In a way that I think others don't. And that I'm so glad that you said that because <clears throat> getting back to what I mentioned before about respect for people, that what you just said right there is exactly what I interpret respect for people to be. And that's where people really struggle when we're, when, we go into a client and we start talking lean in broad terms, lean transformation, because a lot of times in industry, people think, well, now I'm the manager or I'm the VP or I'm the director, or I'm this, that, or the other thing. I have to make all the decisions and everybody under me has to do what I say. That right there is in my humble opinion, one of the biggest issues with why lean doesn't, grab hold because that is absolutely 100% not what it is about. I am famous for saying people who do the work, do the work know best. And it's not that I invented it because I didn't, but it's the absolute truth. And exactly what you just said is exactly what we uh, coach our clients to do. Instead of when somebody comes to you with a problem, if you're the owner or GM or whatever, instead of giving them an idea and say, well, it's probably this, probably that, go try this, go try that. You'd, all you got to do is say, well, what do you think? They yep. know, like they probably know, but you got to, you know, again, for the longest time, especially in manufacturing, I mean, you look back through the industrial revolution and Henry Ford and all this other stuff. It's like, all I need you to do is take this thing and put it on there and screw it down. That is it. Do not do anything else. Don't come to me with your right idea or anything. I just need, just do that. And that's why some people get wrapped around the axle that they think that the robots are going to take over because that's what they think manufacturing is. And it's like, (laughs) nah, 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 nah. The whole point is you engage people's brains, right? You come into work, just like you said with Southwest. I need this thing on there screwed down. How you do it, I don't care. Just get it, right? And you do it. Now, we also have this thing called standard work, which, right, loosely translated means coming up with the one best way, training everybody to do it that way. So that does uh, combat, you know, this thing I just said a little tiny bit, but it's also, you know, when you have relationships amongst everybody based on trust and respect, then you can have those conversations. You can get everybody be like, Oh, okay, let me, let me give it a shot. Let me try it. You know? And I'm, you know, not one for like, you know what, if you want to do it a little tiny bit differently and that kind of works for you, you know, I mean, I've done hand assembly things where, you know, somebody's missing a hand. So yeah. you can't, you know, go right, right, left, right, left, right, left. And I've gotten in an argument. We had a corporate lean person 
And he's in a conference room with me and I'm explaining that we can't do it the same. And he's arguing, arguing, because he's like, no, standard work, standard work. And I'm like, well, tell you, why don't you come with me and we'll go see. And then he see, it's like, he sees the person. I'm like, so tell me how this person's going to do this when they don't have a left hand. So you got to be a little tiny bit flexible. And I feel like sometimes in the lean community, people are like, nope, standard work, do it one best way. That's it. That, you're right. But you also got to, it's, it's difficult because you got to prevent the slide, right. you know, because if you say, well, you can do it your way, all of a sudden your way becomes a thousand different ways and things can go south real quick. So. I mean, sometimes I talk about it. The picture I put up is usually of a ski slope, right? That if we all want to get to the lodge and we're at the top of the ski slope, there's 20 ways coming down that ski slope. And if I go right and you go left and you decide you're taking the double black diamond and I'm taking the easiest possible route down to the bottom and we still get there in relatively the same amount of time, right? This, when I think of work, this can't be that you take three months to produce it and I take two days, right? But if you both kind of get there in relatively the same amount of time, even if you do it differently, that's okay. And getting people to think that, now, I think in manufacturing, you might have, you know, there's definitely an argument for kind of a little bit more consistency in some places, but in many jobs, does it really matter, right? Does it really matter? And it really doesn't. You know, one of the, there is a strength that's called consistency. So there are people who that is their strength. They would be great in the job where you need to do the same thing in the same way every day. Mm -hmm. As someone who has maximizer is one of my strengths, and consistency is number 34 for me on that <laughs> list of 34. I'm not going to do the same thing the same way every single day. It's just not going to happen. Now, there are times that I have to do things consistently, right? Um, one of the contracts I have right now, I have to submit um, a time kind of, not even time sheet, but kind of, you know, my billing to that yep. has yep. to be in by three o'clock on Friday. Now, if I don't put it in three o'clock on Friday, then I'm two weeks out from getting paid. Hmm. Great you know what, there are consequences to not being consistent. So I have to come up with ways to make sure to help me be consistent, right? So I write it in my calendar. I put it on my Google calendar. I have an alert on my phone. So every Friday at three o'clock, I have five different things that ding yep. to remind me to put the bill in. So, right, I figure out ways to make sure that works. But if I was someone who is naturally consistent, I wouldn't have to do that, right? Every Friday, probably at noon, it would be in if I was someone with really good consistency. Nice. Wow. There's uh, so much, there's so much levels of this onion that we could, you know, keep peeling back, but I do like to take a little bit of a break from the, if you want to call it the formal piece and play a, play a game. I call the wicked fun part. Are you up? For sure. It? I am totally up for wicked fun. All right. Well, Hey, we're nothing if not wicked fun. <laughs> what do you think about when you're alone in your car? Whew. Um, usually traveling the next vacation I'm going on. Nice. How many vacations do you get to go on? We do a lot. We have a theory in our household that when we get on the plane to go on vacation, we have to have the tickets for the next vacation in hand already. So we're always two vacations planned ahead. I love that. That's yep. livid. COVID put a little wrinkle in it, I must say, because our trip to Disney that was supposed to be last April right? Keeps getting, we keep bumping it in three month increments. At this point we gave up and we just put it in December. So mm. we're hoping for December as a travel month. So this year has been a little tough on my, let's go on vacation every six months. Yeah. You're right. Wow. That's such a great idea. I'm stealing that. That's a great one. Cause that, you're right. It gives you something to look forward to. 
Nice. And I know this is the wicked fast part, but I have to add, it truthfully came from Harvard. Harvard did a study years ago that said, who are the happiest people in the world? And it wasn't the people who had the money or all these things. It was people who had their next vacation planned. And they talked about the next vacation didn't even have to be a like, let's get on a plane and go to Europe. It was, we have our next weekend away planned. Mm -hmm. Like even if it was one night that those people rated themselves happier. So I'm going for the happiness quotient. Amen. I'm right there with you. Um, how about this one? Any advice for a previous boss of yours? And you don't have to name them, um, but something that maybe you've learned since then that maybe they could have done maybe a little bit better, knowing what you know now. Um, you know, don't make assumptions about people. Don't just assume because of somebody's degree or lack of degree or you know, disability or kind of different approach that they are not the one who can kind of show up and win the day for you. Yeah. I like that. I've had, well, we could, when the bars open up, we can go have a couple of beers and I could trade <laughs> your war stories of bad bosses. It's, it'll uh, make your head spin. It's horrible. How about this one? What's the funniest thing that's happened to you recently? Who recently? It doesn't have to be recent, but just a funny thing. Now my brain is like going in like 90 directions. Like I can remember literally sitting on the couch laughing so hard till I couldn't catch my breath recently, but I can't for the life of me remember what it was about. Um, yeah. I mean, I think my favorite funny story is a Disney one, though it did happen 10 years ago and my kids will kill me for telling this, but they know I tell it all the time. Uh, they probably won't we, listen to the podcast anyways, will they? Probably not. All right. right probably not. Safe. They don't love me that much. So <laughs> we take them, we take them to Disney when they are six. So little first graders and it's my daughter and my now stepdaughter and we weren't married yet. So this was just a vacation going together. Right. And we go on um, the mission space ride. So if you're familiar with Disney, Mission Space is like you're pretending like you're going to the moon and you're in this little tiny capsule, the four of us. So our two little tiny six-year-olds and my now husband and I, and they strap you in with these straps over your shoulders, like picture, right, an astronaut, you're held back. And it, you know, we take off towards the moon and it's leaning back and everybody has a role. And my now stepdaughter has the role of commander. And they start saying, commander, press the red button, commander, press the red button. And now they're saying, you're going to crash because we have, she can't press the red button because her little arms can't reach. So she burst out into tears, is hysterical crying because she thinks we're actually in a moon capsule and going to crash. At the same time, my child starts screaming, she's getting motion sick and going to puke all over the ride. So we have one kid hysterical crying, one kid ready to throw up. And now my husband and I are laughing hysterically, which is now making the children even more angry. So um, since then we bought my now stepdaughter who's almost 17, we keep buying our t-shirts with little T-Rex arms that she oh, that can't yeah. press buttons. So this poor child, you know, for 11 years now just continuously hears us yelling, commander, press the red button oh, no. everywhere we go. And it was like thing like that, that happened at Disney. And we're just the parents who laugh at these things, right? We are just like thinking it's the funniest thing we've ever seen. And our kids get so mad, right? Yeah. Particularly at that age. Well, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. But I'd say, you know, we've had stories like that too. And I love, we did, we went to Disney a lot, well, a few years ago now. And I remember that ride and that was, yeah, lots of fun. I mean, Disney's a great place. <laughs> um, 
What's one thing nobody knows about you? Hmm. I'm kind of an open book. I feel like I talk about my life so much all the time. Um, yeah, doing what you do, I, you know, same. I talk a lot about yeah. family and kids and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I was adopted as a baby and I met my birth mother when I was 30 and have three younger sisters who, right, we now have great relationships with and hang out with and go to Disney with and, wow, um, right, have kind of this interesting, we always joke that I have this like crazy, interesting blended family that my kids have, you know, eight grandparents and you know, kind of a traditional modern family out here. Wow. Hey, that's cool. Nice. It is. Nice. And that's a great, you know, it's a healthy outlook on it too, you know? Yeah. It's like, hey, we just have families bigger, right? Right. Lots of people. <clears throat> when are you the happiest? Uh, presenting. I, I love standing up in front of groups, the bigger, the better, right? I'm the person who's super happy to get on the stage in front of two or 3000 people and talk about something. Um, right. I do that and I'm energized for weeks on end. So I will say COVID really put a damper on that for me because I, you know, presenting via zoom, even if it is to a thousand people, just not the same thing. I am <laughs> right there with you. <laughs> I just, uh, we have, uh, I'm, I'm doing a workshop at the Tri-State SHRM conference here in Connecticut. Well, I say it's here in yeah. Connecticut, it's virtual. And uh, <laughs> we had to pre-record our workshops. So I'm literally sitting here teaching a course to my laptop with, and even, you know, we've mm -hmm. done a lot of virtual training. So I at least have live people, even if they're on a screen, right. that one was uh, it was very, very difficult because I, same as you, I love presenting and training at conferences and, you know, leading a workshop, same thing. I love getting the energy back from people as they get excited and, and you just, you know, you just don't get that through a video screen. Right. That's the hard part. I can't wait to do stuff in person. So. Yeah, me too. Well, it feels like it's open enough. I just heard yeah. I think today, Massachusetts is right. Opening up a whole bunch of stuff, or maybe it's Connecticut or both. Yeah, we're, we're tiptoeing now in Massachusetts. So I know um, we have, my um, daughter goes to the New England Revolution soccer games. And so they are opening up to 12% of Gillette Stadium. Hmm. Now, now, granted, there's not a lot of people who show up to the New England Revolution soccer games. So, but 12% of the stadium is allowed to attend starting the end of April. So she's excited to be able to go do something. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, we are uh we're supposed to see taylor swift at gillette uh, us too yeah you know last year got I'm the like, refund yeah, that's yesterday. probably not gonna happen and then this year you know they can't i'm like dang yeah. it you know yeah we had really good seats for that show yeah we yeah, i was we bummed out too we yeah so anyways someday you know when next when time. All this is you know air quotes all this is over yeah so Colleen, like I said, I could keep you on here for hours. I'd love talking to you about this stuff because, uh, and I've learned so much, um, but I know we are running out of time. So I just wanted to throw it over to you. Is there anything that, you know, you kind of wanted to, uh, final thoughts of things that you wanted to share with the listeners that maybe we didn't get a chance to talk about? Sure. You know, to me, one of the biggest things is to help people figure out the right career for them at that moment in time for them, right? I always refer to as right career right now right? What is right for you right now? And, you know, that's a combination of things, you know, the old adage of like, you know, do what you love and the money will follow. I always have called BS on because mm. I used to say, right, if I did what I loved, I would decorate cakes, 
And I am not going to be the person who decorates cakes and make a six figure salary, right? The money's not going to follow. I can't support my family on decorating birthday cakes. Um, I know some people can, I just know that's not me, right? And so really truly get out there and find the things that excite you. Find jobs that are doing things you love, things that you have skills to do that make the money that you need, but also the right fit for that phase of your life. You know, I always think back and the job I had in my 20s was great for my 20s. It would be terrible for me now, Mm -hmm. right? The job I had when my daughter was in daycare and I knew that I could drop her off at 7.30 and could pick her up at 4.30 and it was great for that time. It would be terrible for me right now, right? Now I have a job because I work for myself. I can flex, I can do things on nights and weekends, right? I can leave at two o'clock when my kid was playing high school soccer and I could go to games, right? So think about what's important for you at this point in your life and do that. And you'll be so much happier and be okay with switching jobs, right? Go, go after things that are right for you right then. On that same note, I will say, I also totally understand there are times that what's right for you right then is making more money and keeping a roof over your head. Mm-hmm. So if that's what's right for you right now, then go for that, but figure out what's right for you now. Right, right. You'll be a hell of a lot happier. Yep. And that's just it. I mean, that's ultimately what it comes back back to. There's a story I tell about a client of ours who's, um, uh, they're a um, machining company, job shop. <clears throat> And uh, one of the guys came up to me and he's, and we've worked with them for a while. And uh, one of the guys came up to me and he was like, Hey, listen, I wanted you to know um, I have three sons and they all have played football. And with the first two, I, I could never co I always wanted to coach and I never could because I was working too much. And these it's stereotypical uh, back in the night, you know, it's, it's back through the nineties. They're very busy. Couldn't hire enough people. And even today, we have clients that are, you know, as things are opening back up and they're getting busier, they're looking for machinists and inspectors and engineers and right. Um, so back then he's like, I, I never asked for the time off because I knew the answer was going to be no. I was working, you know, 65, 70 hours a week. Sometimes I just knew, right. There was no way, but with what you guys, us have done, and it's not just us, it's all of us together, the team, yeah. them, you know, their folks and ours with what we've done. He's like, with my third boy, I can, I, I'm coaching, I'm helping coach his team. So, and it's like, you know, it's the same with like the story you told about the woman you worked with, you know, and he got a little misty, but he's a big, t- you know, like big catcher mitt hands. He's runs a mill. He's not a <laughs> sensitive dude, but it's like, you know what? That's a memory you're always going to have. Your son's always going to have. And, and right. if we can help make that kind of stuff happen, then that's what I'm here for. So, you know, it's that, that's what I get. So that's what, I don't know, I'll, I got to take the strengths assessment because I'm very interested to see, but whatever that's called, that's what, you know, that's what drives me. And that's why I'm like, I walked out of there that day feeling like a million dollars. It was awesome. Yep. So 100%. Nice. Colleen, I, I, honestly, I can't say thank you enough. This was, this was awesome. Thank you for coming on and, and sharing what you know with our listeners. I, I'm sure everybody got a lot out of it. Sure. This was great. I had fun. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your time, rest of the week. I hope you have a good weekend. Yes, you too. Yeah, and, it's supposed to be a little warmer. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> good luck with planning the next vacation, wherever that may be. Absolutely. All right, Colleen. Lots All right. Go. Thanks. Thanks so much. All right. Bye. 
Hey everybody, it's Paul. Before I let you go, I just wanted to say thanks again for listening. Um, you've really made doing this podcast a very rewarding experience for me. Uh, I get a lot of messages from from listeners, and uh, you know everyone has something nice to say, which I very much appreciate. Uh, of course, I'm always open to you know uh, feedback on ways we can make it better. I mean that's kaizen after all. And by no stretch do I claim to have got this all figured out. So if there's things that I could do better, please, by all means, uh, feel free to reach out and let me know. And likewise, if there's a somebody that you think would be a great guest, um, also let me know. Um, you know, there's a chance I don't know who those, who those folks are. Um, so somebody that you can help put us in touch with, you know, somebody you want to learn more about, certainly let me know and I'll reach out uh, to those folks. But um, I hope you find the podcast fun and entertaining, uh, uh, educational, and, and maybe even a little inspirational, I hope. Um, that's really what I'm, I'm going after with this whole thing. So thanks again. And uh, one small ask, uh, if you don't mind, if you listen, you know, whatever your preferred platform is, if you could just, you know, subscribe. Uh, give us five stars on Apple or, or whatever. Again, whatever platform you listen to, it just it, it helps. Um, you know, the algorithms like it. So if you could do that for me, I would greatly appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Thanks, everybody.